0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap.
1: Tony, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks the trend. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the central division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a
0: homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of.
1: What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough.
0: Steve,
1: Steve, would you say
0: that Tony is mad online?
1: I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner... Hey, yo, White Sox fans, NWI, Steve here with a very special episode of Sox on Tap. Got a special guest with us today here, Dr. Narab Shah. Dr. Shah is an orthopedic surgeon at Parkview Orthopedics down in the south suburbs of Palos Heights, has some extensive experience dealing in the world of professional sports, particularly in Major League Baseball. Dr. Shah is a client and a close personal friend of mine and Dr. Shah, I just wanted to welcome you to the show here. Thanks for taking some time, buddy. How you doing today?
0: Great. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on the show. You guys are great. Hey, again, thank you so
1: much uh, for giving us a couple of minutes here. So what I wanted to do here was just give our listeners a little bit of your background and um, You've obviously got some experience, as we've gotten to know each other over the last year or so, dealing in the world of professional sports and Major League Baseball in particular. So if you could give our listeners a little bit of your background, I think that's a great starting point for us.
0: Sure. Uh, so uh, I'm an orthopedic surgeon uh, specializing in sports medicine with knee, shoulder, elbow uh, injuries. Uh, I've been in practice in the south suburbs for 15 years now. Born and raised uh, in the Chicago Burbs, um, did my training at Northwestern in Chicago, and then did my fellowship out in Houston, uh, where I uh, had extensive experience and uh, was an assistant team physician taking care of uh, the Houston Texans, the Houston Astros, the Houston Dynamo. Uh, University of Houston had extensive experience out there and currently uh, treat um, athletes from every realm, from the weekend warrior to uh, high school students, uh, junior high school students. Uh, I cover a bunch of high schools in the area, um, some of the public, some of the private schools, some of the South suburban Catholic schools, uh, some of the colleges in the area, um, and I even take care of uh, some of the uh, professional uh, MMA UFC fighters as well.
1: That's outstanding. Obviously, very extensive history here in the world of professional sports and your everyday uh, weekend warrior, as you talked about. So one of the reasons we wanted to have you on here is the last two seasons have been a very problematic issue for our beloved Chicago White Sox, having a lot of injuries. And it seems as though, at least from a personal perception standpoint that the injury bug is hitting this team harder than it is just about every other team in Major League Baseball. We're all as a fan base collectively trying to figure out and understand what exactly is leading to this. And one of the areas that we're seeing more frequently than others are lower extremity injuries. So your hamstrings, your groins, um, your hip flexors. This is something that is just plaguing this team almost on an annual basis here at this point. And this is something that is really an area of expertise for you. So let me ask you this question to start off here. What do you think is kind of the root cause of this widespread lower extremity issue that is plaguing the White Sox?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Excellent question. Oftentimes great, excellent questions. Sometimes don't have the definitive answer, um, but I think we can we can kind of talk about and kind of figure out why so much. Why so much this year with these particular group of players um, and, and 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 even a little bit last year, too. Um, you know, when we talk about really any professional athlete or elite athlete and we're talking about a sport like baseball where there is a lot of quick, eccentric firing load. What I mean by that is, you know, you're not a marathon runner. You're not just kind of running steady in place. Um, You're not a basketball player. You're not just running up and down the court continuously. There's a lot of stopping and quick starting, whether that's after hitting the baseball, whether that's in the outfield, whether that's in the infield, um, and even every pitch um, that that, that a pitcher throws. Um, And so... You really rely on these muscle groups that cross two joints, uh, like you said, Steve. You know, hamstring tendons, quad tendons, hip flexors. These are thick, large muscle groups that require a lot of activation and take a lot of load. Whether that's starting quickly from a stop to run down a base, or whether that's in the outfield, or whether that's you know, um, I'm hitting where you're relying on this explosive power. Um, <clears throat> those muscles need, sure, they need the rest. But they need to be sort of trained appropriately as well, not only to be as elite and and great as these players are in Major League Baseball, um, but especially with the high talent level that the White Sox have um, and and the tools and and the speed, strength and quickness they have. Um, I think one of the issues is is that when we look at some of the players this year that have had some injuries, we're seeing some of the same guys with injuries, whether it's Yasmani Grandal, um, whether it's Aloy Jimenez, Um, you know, and, or Yohan Mokata, and, and regardless of age, whether, you know, you're in your early twenties, late twenties or in your teens, once you start having some of these injuries, whether it be low back, whether it be hip flexors, quad hamstring tendons, um, there's no question. You're at a higher risk of having that recur again. And it's one thing to say, okay, we've treated it. And he's back and, you know, Quote unquote, good to go. But we know that those patients are at a higher risk of re injury, even when they're quote unquote fully healed. Um, You know, a guy like Yasmani Grendel, he's a catcher. He's in a squatted position for a long time. He's a seasoned veteran. um, You know, there's definitely some wear and tear. We know that with age, uh, not necessarily the muscles, but really where the muscle turns into tendon before it connects to a bone. Or whether tendon connects to the bone. We know just with age alone, much less the miles that a guy like Asmani Grandalos put on, we know that those tendons, uh, those tendon units, Degenerate over time. If you look at his tendon now underneath the microscope, or you section his tendon ten years ago underneath the microscope, no question, it's different quality. Um, and so we know someone like him is going to be predisposed to injury. Yoan uh, Moncada, relatively younger player, um, so you know you can't say age there or number of miles on his lower body. He just got a he just had a hand looked like a hamstring injury yesterday. Um, but you know, and so so you kind of try to put everything together. Is it coincidence? Is it this guy versus that guy? Well, it, it might be, but I, I do think what what hopefully the White Sox are looking at, the training staff is looking at, is reassessing what are they doing in season and off-season for injury prevention. Um, you know, are they are they keeping track of things that they keep track in sort of more? Uh, Higher endurance sports like football where they're keeping track of their intake and outtake of fluids. Um, What are they doing, you know, in season this year versus last year as far as maintenance for those guys? It's, It's one thing to say, okay, they're injured. They're in the training room. They're working on them. But what are they doing during the season, whether it's Tim Anderson or whoever it is, right? What are they doing when they are back to play? Um, How are they maintaining the pliability of these muscle and tendons group, tendon group? It used to just be, you know, you get them on a bike and just kind of keep them loose. And, you know, we've all seen that in football and basketball, right? With some of these older guys that are notorious in the 90s, you would see Dennis Rodman always on an exercise bike um, to, to try to stay healthy, um you know but uh, what are they doing for baseball where it's a little different and there's definitely differences in changing and training regimens off season and in season now that there were 10 15 20 years ago the guys nowadays are that much faster that much quicker that much stronger um and so there's that much load from a mechanical standpoint where these muscle and tendons are pulling um when they go across and the amount of force that's exerting and so so one thing to be really, really strong from a muscular standpoint, but how much are you controlling, um, you know, the, the, the sort of combination forces? So, um, you know, I, you know, it's plyometric work. Uh, it's things like yoga. It's things that hopefully they start looking at off season, in season. Um, I, you can't, you can't not say that it might just be bad luck, you know, um, but I, I, you know, you wonder how much are, you know, the individual players doing on their own um that, you know, in the off season, in season, there's only, there's only so much time that the, that they have while they're at the park. And so what are they doing uh, differently or what are they trying to do differently? How much are they monitoring these guys when they're at home, when they're injured? Are they working with the same training room staff? Are they working with the same physical therapist? Um, and look, it's a major league organization with, you know, a huge payroll. So, uh, you know, there's no reason to think that they don't have access to anything and everything, whether that's the newest, latest, greatest technology. Um, and so it's not necessarily, you know, what's new in the world, but what are these guys doing in the off season during the in season for injury prevention? You look at these guys, you Look at a guy like Yohan Mokata. I mean, the guy is, strongest can be, right? I mean, you see him throw effortless from third base. And when he runs, he runs. Absolutely.
1: Physical peak right now for a guy that's 27 years old to have the constant issues that that come up, these soft tissue issues, the hamstrings, the quad. It seems like on an almost weekly basis, you see him grimacing at some point running down the first baseline. And it is something that is so unbelievably frustrating to the fan base.
0: As it should be. It's you know obviously it's frustrating to the fan base. I'm sure it's just as frustrating to uh, you know uh, his teammates, himself, and 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 management as well. Um, and so that's when you got to say, okay, look, if there is something just biological, innate in his body, right, just something with his mechanical forces that just keeps causing re-injury, re-injury, well. Maybe he needs to be approached on a more individualized, personalized basis than, say, somebody else. And I think that's where it comes down to is understanding that player, understanding his biomechanics, understanding his injury history and the type of injuries he's sustaining versus somebody else, right? He's, you know, he, he's, he's as thick and as, as strong as can be. And so is it a matter of working more so for him on pliability, right? Should, you know, and I, and i look, I'll be the, I don't know what they're doing, you know, whether it's him individually or what the training room staff is doing or what they're trying to do with it. But, you know, does his off season approach need to be different? Does his in season approach need to be different? Okay. He recovers. He comes back for a few games. He gets injured again. Okay. Well, what are we doing now that we weren't doing before that keeps causing re-injury. Is it things like yoga, things like plyometrics, things that are outside the box to prevent these sort of compound, sort of two joint, you know, these muscle groups that are crossing two joints, those type of injuries? In the end, look, you know, we see it all the time in the greatest players in any sport where they they sustain these injuries. Um, but what are they doing to stay in peak physical shape during season, after injury, and a lot more is required after injury. To refrain from inj- to, to to prevent injury again, um, and and it, it it's nutrition as well, right? So, what are they doing nutrition wise? There's a lot of stuff on right sleep analysis nowadays, a um, fluid intake and output, um, things that normally you would look at in historically, you would look at in football players and basketball players, I think translates to the modern baseball game now, because these, you know, you don't have guys that look like John Kruk anymore, right? You know, so you you think Luis
1: Robert eating an entire
0: Domino's pizza, you know, three or four days a week might potentially have some issues there. Well, it it, it might, right? He's young. young. There, There are many people that can get away with it. Right. And, and it's, and, and, you know, Michael Jordan would get away with doing stuff like that. Right. A lot of people would get, get away with that. But now that he's had a couple injuries, right? Now that you've had a couple injuries, um, you know, that's where it, it, it doesn't matter how strong you are, right? It doesn't matter how quick he's got he's a five-to-player. a player, Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, how many, I mean, I mean, it wasn't just here. it was nationwide, where, you know, he was he was a preseason MVP favorite for Crown Out Loud, right? Um, and so once you've had, forget about multiple injuries, just one, right? You know what? What are you changing in your life, right? What are you changing to prevent that? And you see that historically across all sports, guys, you know that have had injuries early on, some of them stayed "quote unquote" injury prone, right, um, and others didn't. And I think there is an appro- a di- there's got to be that different mental approach, whether you're 12, 14, 21, 31, or 41, um, you know, uh, there's got to be a different approach. I tell my athletes, even in high school, that, you know, if they're tearing, their- whether they tear an ACL, whether they're getting hamstring injuries or getting low back strains or functions, like, look, you got approaches. If you want to get back, you'll get back. Don't worry, but you'll get back. That's pretty standard. The body needs some time to heal sometimes surgery, sometimes not, sometimes therapy, and you'll feel better and you'll get back and it'll be just as good. But what are you going to do individually to prevent re-injury, no matter who you are, you know? Um, and, and, and it's, and we're not talking about, right, like freak injuries, like, you know, you tear ACL or, you know, you break a bone, you know, you get hit by a pit, whatever it is, right? Like Eloy tearing
1: we're, a pectoral, trying to uh, run a meaningless home run in a spring tree.
0: Yes, yes, exactly, right? Like, th- those are freak injuries, right? Like, when, um, uh, um, who was the, uh, uh, when, when Mariano Rivera was just shagging fly balls, uh, what, second of last year of his career last year? And yeah, tears in ACL. Kansas
1: City, tears Yeah,
0: ACL. yeah, it te- it tears ACL, right? You know, not those injuries. We're talking about those those, you know, whether it's during a game during practice or, or, or spring training where, you know, you're running and you tweak a hamstring, you pull a muscle, you pull a tendon, one of those things. Those are the injuries that we know um, those muscles are always a high risk of injury for these elite athletes with how quickly they're starting and stopping and how fast you're running um, that in short bursts that once you get that injury, boy, whether you're whether you're an offensive lineman in football, um, whether you're a baseball player boy, you better start. You need to approach it completely differently after that to prevent injury. And so it's nutrition. It's fluid intake. It's paying attention to your body. It's what you're doing before a game and after a game. There's a lot. We all know baseball. We know there's a lot of standing around and sitting around in baseball. Um, and, you know, and a position player has to approach it differently than a pitcher. Right. You know, um, no question. I they're, they're very few sports outside of baseball where you got pitchers and you got everybody else where they really need to approach their, their bodies so differently um and 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 they really do i mean you know you see pitchers with a different training room and strength room than position players right um and so the same goes here with these guys that are you know um speed guys strength guys like Louis roberts Johan moncada um you know and then and then guys that are older in the career like Yasmani grandal right once his injury bugs start happening look, surgery is not going to fix everything. It will fix it. You'll get back. But what are you doing to prevent re-injury again? And I think that is difficult for baseball players more so than, right, football, basketball, soccer players, Um, because it's not necessarily conditioning from a cardio standpoint. It's more so aerobic conditioning of these muscle groups like your hamstrings and fl- and hip flexors and pliability training of these those things. Those quick twitch movements. Those quick twitch movements of these large muscle groups. When you talk about your hip flexor, when you talk about your hamstring tendons, those are big, thick muscles that have small multiple tendons that are crossing two joints. They're crossing your hip and they're crossing your knee. So any muscle group that, co- that crosses two joints, um, like your hip and your knee, the hamstrings and the flexors and the quad – um, those are always going to be at a higher risk of injury with these quicker muscle movements there and so they can always come back but what are they doing to prevent re-injury and I think that's what's difficult for a lot of baseball players um you know and and and, and maybe there is this difference in I don't know maybe there is this different. you know is, is there a difference in you know um these players coming internationally versus here I don't know you know um they, but but they the approach has to be, way more proactive once you are back to prevent those similar type of injuries from happening again. Um, and I, th- and I think that's, that that's really the solution is it's okay. You know, cause what do we hear, right? What do we hear in press conferences? What do we hear during broadcasts of the game? Um, whether it's radio, TV, Hey, hooray, he's back. He's good to go. Well, okay. But how many of us are saying, you know, all right, what was injured? What is he doing? to prevent this from happening again because he's going back to doing the same thing that caused him during the first place right whether that's you know stealing second running whether it's Yasmani Grandel squatting whether it's hitting you know your back foot having that strength and and pushing off um you know and so that's where I I wonder and I question in this team with changes in you know you know it, whether it's changes in how the game is played the speed and strength which we see guys are playing at which never before, um, you know, uh, you know, and 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 how much of it is it that the team is is what is the team doing versus what is the individual athlete that's getting these injuries what are they doing once they're back? And it's not easy, it's difficult for a young guy to get a hamstring injury or to get something and then feel like, all right, I'm back, I should be good to go, I was totally fine before this. Why do I have to do you know all these things that Tom Brady does who's in his 40s you know, to prevent injury? But once you've been injured, especially, and again, not like you know, I broke a bone, it's healed, you're good to go, or I tore my ACL, reconstructed that rehab, I'm good to go. We're talking about these muscle tendon injuries, when we're talking about hamstring injuries, these lower body injuries, right? Whether it's a calf strain, hamstring strain, and then that same side. Right. Um, you know, if, if you injure your hamstring on that same side, you might be doing hamstring work. But what else are you doing for your low back? What else are you doing for your calf? What else are you doing for your hip flexure? You want to make sure that those things aren't getting overloaded in those things. And then I think in the off season, that's where, you know, you start looking at, you know, are they changing strengthening habits? Right. Are they doing compound exercises, doing things that you've never had to do to become a professional baseball player? but now you're doing it to prevent injury, um, especially when you're playing at the highest level.
1: That's that's great insight there. One of the points that I kind of want to expand on a little bit here is you talk about changes in training regimens. The last two years we've seen, again, an uptick in lower body injuries from this team and a lot of people within the fan base are wondering, does that coincide with the changes to the strength and conditioning mm-hmm. staff with the White Sox, with Alan Thomas leaving the organization and a new regime coming in there? How likely is it that some of the techniques and, and some of the, the training methodology that is being incorporated by the new regime is possibly causing some some of the issues or compounding the the problems?
0: Yeah, I think I think it'd be really difficult. Uh, virtually the point of impossible to say that, you know, their training regimens are that much more different that, that, you know, that they, they've got a complete different philosophy, you know, like an Eastern versus Western philosophy that, that is causing these guys to get injured. I don't think that's the case. Um, I, you know, I haven't seen any evidence of that. I haven't heard any evidence of that at all. I think what you look at is once a player is injured, what is the approach been? Number one, and then some of the things that you can't really quantify, right, which is, you know, how are the players taking, how affable and how much are the personalities, you know, gelling and meshing with the prior strength and conditioning team versus the new one? Um, you know, is there is there this period of them getting used to each other? Is there something, you know, is there is there lack of trust between the player and or agents with the new training regimen? I personally haven't heard anything. I haven't heard any scuttlebutt to say that you know these players are all really frustrated. with These guys and they're doing stuff on their own, or vice versa, that the new strength and you know that that the that the new uh, whether it's new training room staff or new strength and conditioning team um, is um, you know uh, you know doing things vastly different or treating injuries differently. Um, I, I haven't heard any of that. I think you have this cadre of new players um, that. You know, where are they going and what are they doing in the offseason? And I think one of the issues when you have, you know, such a large, um, you know, uh, roster of international players, where are they going? What are they doing in the offseason? How much is the White Sox organization aware of what they're doing? This has been an issue and a bugaboo for, you know, every sport, but it's way more so in baseball for every team than ever before. And so while the White Sox has a great organization from a standpoint of finding and getting these players and adopting these players in better than almost any other team, you know, you could argue ever from the standpoint of getting some of the best talent um, outside of the U.S., um, what are they doing in the what are they doing in the offseason with these guys? Right. Where are they aware of where they are? Are they aware of what they're doing? Um, what's the impact there? You know, um, are they do they have their strengthening and conditioning staff, you know, reaching out to them more frequently um, in the offseason or while they're injured even. Right. You know, um, you know, who are they going to? Where are they going? How How much do they know of what's going on? Um, and, and I think that's, you know, I, I get a little little off topic to the question you asked, um, they obviously there you know, you can't argue the, you know, it's it just a coincidence that, you know, the new staff came two years ago, um, with these injuries. Um, but th- there's no objective evidence to say that's the case.
1: Okay. Another point I want to expand on a little bit here, and you talk about the level of communication between the training staff in the off season and particularly, you know, during, during the season. We're coming off of a protracted lockout that led to a shortened spring training. One of the the popular narratives going through national baseball media, locally, people that follow the White Sox here, is that this shortened spring training has had a significant impact on the overall number of injuries, not just for the White Sox, but league-wide. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I think you can make some argument to that. There is so much dead time in baseball in the offseason, and then you know, you're really, there's so many players involved, right? Whether it's the major league players roster being rather large compared to other sports or whether it's, you know, in the minor leagues. Um, And so how much can they really pay attention to who's coming up and who isn't? Um, While there is an uptick in injuries, no question um, across the entire league that a lot of teams are dealing with. um, I think that, the it's not necessarily that spring training because of lockout was shorter i think there was so much unknown with between players and the team that there was lack of communication between the team like hey you know between team and players um training room staff you know and and i think yeah i, I think that it wasn't necessarily because spring training was short i think preparation not necessarily playing games and practicing but preparation to get their bodies in in tune was a lot shorter meaning they just waited you know and there was a shock to the system this year of you know am i what am i doing to stay stay in baseball season shape not because of a shorter spring training season uh but because i think a lot of these players were were they did not know they did not know hey am i what what are we going to be doing you know do i need to get in quote unquote baseball shape not necessarily how many swings they took in pre-season in spring training or how many pitches were thrown um, it, you know, it was, it was more so, you know, you know, what, what, what were they doing to, to keep their muscles and their joints pliable and loose? Um, I I'd have to look into this and, and see I don't know if you've looked in this, but you could also argue that there was a little bit more rest then. Right. Um, and so I'd have to take a look. Sure. You have, a, you have a little, you have, you have, a, you're seeing a little bit in the white socks, but at least it strikes me league wide from the. Pitcher standpoint, I think you'd have to look, but I actually think there's less injuries on the pitcher side. Uh, I, I, I and I don't know if that's sure or not, but I, I'm seeing more in the position player, a lot more injuries in position player than than on the on the pitcher side. And is that because they're just able to rest that much more? You know, um, I, it definitely I, I, does
1: I, kind yeah. of feel feel that way a little bit, at least yeah. from my personal perception that there are fewer arm injuries yeah. happening right now. You, we've yeah. had a couple of big name. Uh, players, you know, more so if you look on the, on the Mets with their two aces, Jacob DeGrom, Max yeah. Scherzer, yeah. um, so the, the arm injuries do seem to be a little less extensive to yeah. to this point here, just simply because, uh-huh. you know, perhaps the pitchers aren't using as many bullets yeah. right now Yeah, for yeah. that, you know, six yeah. week spring training that you typically yeah. would see. And um, then you look so, at a
0: guy, you look at a guy like Verlander. I mean, uh, how, how old is he now? 30, 39, 40?
1: 39. I thought
0: it was 39, right? You know, look at a guy like this. Guys having a Cy Young type season, uh, you know what did he do in the off season, right? You know, obviously his Tommy John reconstruction, he's coming back as strong as ever, um, and and pitching like he was in his you know mid to late twenties again. Giving Um, me nightmares. Yeah, it's right. And so you know, so so you wonder now, you know, and and obviously the 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 Sox have had a, a couple. Um, you know um, issues there, but it seems to me it's more the position players, uh, you know, that require a little bit more conditioning. That quick starting and stopping from a running standpoint is where you're seeing it. And sure, you're you're it somewhat, you know, somewhat league wide. But boy, and maybe me and you are biased, but it sure seems like it's a lot, lot worse than the White Sox.
1: It it definitely does feel that way. Actually, now furthering the discussion on the on the pitching side of it, last Sunday. At, at the ballpark there. And Michael Kopech leaves after two thirds of an inning, feels a pop in his knee. And there was discussion in the subsequent days here following an MRI that he's got a fluid buildup in the back of his knee. He's scheduled to pitch tomorrow night on, on Father's Day against the Astros, national showcase on ESPN, Sunday night game of the week here. What do you think the likelihood is that this is going to be a recurring issue or? something that this team is going to have to constantly monitor with him for the course of the season, because he's really been their most consistent starting pitcher right now. They can't afford to see him go down for any sustained length of time.
0: Yeah, he's been great. Um, And um, you know, with this news of the MRI being quote unquote normal um, other than fluid, meaning no tears, right. You know, you always question. um, When you hear about fluid buildup in the knee and I don't know Kopech's history. um, If you know, you can light me, but I'm not aware of any knee injury that he's had before in this knee, um, and or surgeon in that that I'm that I'm aware of. Um when you get fluid buildup to the point where you need it aspirated, right? Where they they stuck a needle in his knee and took fluid out, um, there's something going on there. Um, it, could it be, you know, it's not gonna be a quote unquote muscle strain or quote unquote, you know, sprain of a ligament that's gonna cause fluid buildup. It could be any number of things it could be a small meniscus tear it could be a small little piece of cartilage that's sheared off um, it could be uh, something that we call synovitis where there's just inflammation in the knee joint the kneecap may have shifted slightly on that pitch where he felt that pop and that's causing some irritation some fluid now if it's something where the kneecap shifted a little bit or inflammation of the joint fluid synovitis Um, that can be something that can be maintained throughout the year with anti-inflammatories and occasional aspiration modalities, ice compression kind of throughout the year. Um, And then if that keeps occurring, then at some point, maybe in the off season, if he can kind of get through the season, he has a quote unquote, simple knee scope, clean out procedure, if you would, right. We've seen that in multiple, multiple players before and and they do. Okay. Um, But i think you get concerned when you say hey you know i pulled something i heard a pop that's one thing but the fact that the knee swelled up with enough fluid that it needed to be aspirated uh, i think every white sox fan has 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 a right to be concerned um you know um is it is is it going to build up with fluid again if this is just inflammation or you know two bones kind of hit each other in the knee and causes fluid to pop up you know is it going to happen again is there just some chronic inflammation that's in there? Um, is it enough to just aspirate and do it again? Um, and and so I'm I'm highly concerned um, with 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 as good of a season as Kopech is having, um, and him being their most consistent starter, um, is that longevity going to be be there for the season where he can go five, six, seven innings deep? Um, you know, um, or is he going to and, and be on that same you know rotation? Um, Or is he going to need more? Is he going to need some breaks in between? Is he going to have shorter? You know, are they going to pull him quicker? And I think worst case scenario, um, you know, they have to go in and clean out something in the knee. Um, But I, it's, it's. I'm not, I'm not at ease. Like, oh yeah, they've aspirated fluid, quote unquote. Knee was normal, just some fluid buildup, and now he's good to go. Um, No, I think every White Sox should be concerned. Every White Sox fan, and I'm sure the entire organization um, is concerned. And uh, a little consternation as, oh boy, is this going to happen again? Oh boy, is this going to happen again this season? And I and I think there's a chance it would.
1: That's not very encouraging. That's hey, I, I, I know, Doctor Shah.
0: I, <laughs> I know. I look look. <laughs> uh, I, I, <laughs> I didn't need that. <laughs> I would love to be the guy be like, oh yeah, you know that happens. They put some fluid; it will never happen the rest of the game. And then, uh, you know, uh, next week or two weeks from that, live with White Sox on tap. It's going to say, uh, you know, near a, you know you got Southside clown show. You're going to have you know near of Sha MD clown. Uh, if, if I'm not concerned, you know, but absolutely, I'm concerned. When you're if you're sticking a needle in the if you're sticking a needle in the knee for fluid, uh, you know, and he quote unquote heard a pop. Right, you know, you get concerned. Is there a little piece of cross? Now, if he's good enough where he's actually back, right? Like you said, he's pitching this weekend, right? Um, And and if he has a pretty good outing there, then I think my concern goes down from the standpoint of um, you know some meniscus tear or something like that that's going to be a big deal where he's going to be out for a month, two months, or three months. If he does well and the knee doesn't swell up again or minimally swells up, he doesn't need repeat aspirations. It's not that you're exactly in the clear, but then you can make the argument, okay, it was just this acute inflammatory episode and they're managing it and he should be okay. Um, But, you know, if he gets pulled short or if, you know, you hear about the end of the game, his knee's got a ton of fluid in it again, that's when you start thinking, okay, at some point, you know, he's probably going to need this thing drained again. Um, They might even go in scope and clean it out. Um, And hopefully it's nothing that needs to be, quote unquote, repaired like a meniscus or anything like that. And then, and so mid case, mid slash worst case scenario, you're looking at a scope, a but still back to playing this year, uh, you know, w- within a month or something like that. But, um, but I-, I think this next outing will be somewhat telltale as to which way this goes, because this is his first outing back. If I'm, if I'm correct, right. Yep. Um, um, since that. So if he does well, and he doesn't swell up. Um, he's not limping afterwards. Um, you know, and, uh, and, and, and I think, and I don't think you're necessarily looking at how well he pitches, from a standpoint, uh, you know, how his outing is against this ridiculous Houston lineup. Um, you know, I don't think you look at it that way. I think you say, how did he feel afterwards, right? You know, do they have to pull him after two innings because his knee swelled up. Well, then, then he can come back and call me a jackass because I, I jinxed it or I was the <laughs> one that, you know, <laughs> you know, did it. But I think, I, yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think every White Sox fan as the organization will be, um, you know, uh, will be, We'll be, you know, leaning a little bit forward and watch a little bit closer to see what does he look like when he walks off at the end of the inning, you know, is he talking to the trainers, um, you know, is his knee, you know, after, you know, af- after the game during a press conference, you know, is he talking about a lot of flu in his knee or not?
1: Now you've given us some things to be mindful of and, and have our eyes peeled on tomorrow yeah. night here during the, well, during well, the broadcast. Well, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's just, you should watch them, right? You know, don't watch them during a pitch, watch them in between pitches, um, watch them and, you know, watch, you know, whatever they show on the broadcast. Um, you know, when they when they show him in the dugout, you know, is he is he going in the training room? Is he going is he right, is he going to the clubhouse in between in the training room in between innings? Um, you know, when the White Sox are batting, um, you know, um and well like you guys know this better than anybody, right? I mean, uh, Michael Kopic's that one to, to hide things. Um he's pretty expressive uh with how he feels, which you gotta love about him.
1: Yeah, he definitely does wear his emotions on his sleeve. I'm about that, my
0: friend. <laughs> I think I I saw for the first time at the um, uh, at the uh, at the game last year against the Yankees in uh, in Iowa. Uh, the field. I was at Kings that. Game. Yeah, I, yeah, I know you were. I know you were. Where were my tickets, Matt? Now I'm kidding. Um, the um, no, I mean, I mean, when he, I forgot what inning he pitched. I mean, and and you know, everybody that was watching the broadcast. He was throwing strikes, you know, and and whatever the ump was calling, who knows, right? Um, but I mean, I he was hot. He was lit up <laughs> he was lit up um and rightfully so um but yeah as far as the season he's been having up until the last outing the guy's been lights out the guy's been awesome and so hopefully this is just um you know uh me being a doctor and a little concerned more than anything else um and then he's back and and throwing the way he's been throwing
1: awesome well last last uh last discussion point want to get to here uh, one of the other recent notable injuries um, that has come up closer Liam Hendricks, who is apparently going to be out until at least July 1st here with some forearm tightness, which has had the entire fan base collectively holding our breasts because Most of us that follow the game on a day-in, day-out basis know that that is usually the precursor to Tommy John surgery. And Hendricks, in a recent interview, said that he's had a small UCL tear in his elbow since 2008. So that's a pretty long period of time for a guy that throws as hard as he does and puts as much strain on those elbow ligaments and everything that comes along with throwing a 99-mile-an-hour fastball at the major league level. So from your perspective as a physician here... What are your thoughts on, on Liam Hendricks? Is this something that you believe could ultimately lead to Tommy John surgery, or is he going to be like Masahiro Tanaka and just be able to pitch through it? No problem.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, when you, when you hear about UCL injuries, right. When you hear about that Tommy John ligament, all collateral ligament, uh, injury and surgery reconstruction. People have done so well with that surgery that it's gotten to the point that, you know, if somebody sneezes and they feel a little pull in their elbow, they're getting Tommy John surgery. They want it at the age of like eight, 10, 11, 12, which is kind of ridiculous all the way till now, because you come back just as good as ever, if not better. Right. Um, And definitely an outlier with the fact that he's had a, you know, a partial UCL tear or sprain of some sort since 2008 what we don't know the accuracy is okay on the mri that they did back then was there an actual partial tear um or was it just some fluid along the ucl like a grade one you know uh, sprain we'll call it a ligament um a very 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 few players you mentioned one um not you know in the in in the current age of baseball um go through uh with you know a partial tear of the ucl without ending up with tommy john reconstruction I think what changes for Liam is that he's had this for 15 years now, or so, right? Um, and uh, he's been able to deal with it. You know, I don't prior to the White Sox. I don't know his injury history as far as you know how much time did he take off in season during the season? Um, you know, um, uh, for this, um, or how many times has he had forearm soreness that we know about? We don't know about. Are the Sox just being extra precautious, extra, you know, and extra careful with him, where Leah might be saying, hey, I've got a little bit of forearm soreness, I've had this before, I'm usually able to get get through it, or the White Sox have this longer term picture of the playoffs and, right, you know, at at the end of the year here and say, hey, this is the time to shut him down, this is the time to shut him down, because we're going to need him, you know, the last two months of the season, right? Um, when hopefully we have everybody else back and that's when really competing and really getting through. And right now we can kind of get by, you know, Graveman's I think Graveman's back, right? Graveman's yep. back. we got some other young guys that are back that are playing. Um, uh, Joe um, Kelly back. Joe, Ke- Joe Kelly's back. That's right. And so, so part of it might be that where he's had forum soreness before, but the Sacha being extra careful, like, look, we really need you. Yeah. Um, last month and a half, last two months of the season on the playoff push. We can rest him now then he won't have that forearm soreness and will will be just as effective. So hopefully that is the case for Liam. And I would think that is a likely case scenario. So as much bad news as I gave you about Copac, <laughs> as much as you don't want to hear about my fear of Copac, right? I actually think for somebody that's had this for 15 years um, and is having some soreness, I highly doubt this is the first time he's had forearm soreness over the last 15 years if he's had a partial UCL tear. I think that's happened for him many times over and he's been able to deal with it um and i think my guess is this is how white Sox organization is thinking about it and less worried so that a month from now he's going to come back pitch one game have or whenever he comes back i think you said july is right when, he, when he's mm-hmm. supposed to come back that he's going to come back he's going to complain a little soreness and then all of a sudden he's shut down and he's having UCL surgery, uh, you know, and his season is done or Tommy John surgery. So I think much less likely for a guy that's been able to tolerate this for this 15 years is a long time to tolerate. And he's adjusted. However he's adjusted from, you know, the mechanics of how he throws um, his, his UCL has been able to tolerate this. Um, and I highly, highly, highly doubt that this is the first time Liam Hendricks since 08 has had forearm soreness. So I think, I, I, think I really think this is more so the White Sox organization being a bit more cautious. Um, even though they need every win they can get right now, yes, <laughs> I, they I get do. You, you know, you really need everyone they get right now. I think if it's like, Hey, look, you know, we, we were all in, we said world series or bust, right. You know, before the season started. Um, I think, I think they, I think they still have that eye on there as they look at the rest of the team and when everybody else is expected to be back, you got Tim Anderson on rehab assignment, you got Eloy on rehab assignment currently Um you know, uh, Luis Roberts is back. Sure, what just happened to Moncada is there. Grandel out for a little bit. Um, I think they I think they still have this eye that like, okay, yes, we know this is not looking good right now, um, but there still is enough time in the season here to give him some rest. We got Joe Kelly back. We got Graven back. We got some guys back. They kind of filled that void for a little bit. A um, little bit of concern, but not as concerned from the standpoint of, you know, he's going to come back in a month, pitch one game, and then all of a sudden he's having Tommy job surgery. Um, could it happen? It could, but I'm less concerned yeah. about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's
1: that's a little bit of positive news yeah. to kind of end the, the <laughs> yeah, discussion right. here because we yeah. definitely need it right now. So <laughs> yeah. uh, Dr. Shaw, again, really appreciate your time here today. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find you?
0: Sure. So, uh, orthopedic surgeon serving the Chicago area, as well as the South Suburbs, West Suburbs, as far as Northwest Indiana as well. Um, I've I been doing this for a long time. Busy orthopedic surgeon at Palos Heights, Illinois is my main office, uh, 7600 West College Drive, Parkview Orthopedic Group, parkviewthortho.com. The group's been around for about 51 years, 52 years now, uh, for a long period of time. Part of the Peter Group was actually the uh, team doctors for the White Sox historically, um, so we still take care of a lot of uh, still a lot of athletes uh, and and every White Sox fan out there. So anything comes up, we're happy to take care of you. If I see you, you'll be in good hands. Hopefully, I don't see it means you're doing okay. Um, I appreciate the time and and the opportunity uh, to really be a part of this. Um, I grew up a White Sox fan, so this is awesome for me. Um, uh, and you guys always do such a great job and so entertaining. Listening to you guys.
1: Well, we really appreciate your time and your insight here today. And I can just tell you from working with you here professionally, you and and your staff collectively, you guys are outstanding, some of the best people to work with. So if anybody listening needs orthopedic care, this is the guy to come see and get in touch with because he will absolutely get you taken care of. So Dr. Shah, once again, thank you so much for your time and for your insight today. Have yourself a happy Father's
0: Day. Thank you, Steve. You guys have a great weekend and go socks.
1: Go socks.